Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape episode. I am Jonathan London, your host. I've been doing the show for 13 years, and what I like to talk about on the show is movies, video games, comic books, pop culture, basically the geek uh, entire existence. And uh, as we get closer and closer to Comic-Con and the Geekscape booth at Comic-Con, which is like our Super Bowl, we got a lot of great stuff planned this year, um, I'm still going to throw you guys some weekly episodes. I hope you really enjoyed last week's episode. Uh, that one was awesome. It's all about old Hollywood. My old friend Ronald uh, moved out to Hollywood in 1942 and started working in Hollywood in, 1950, in the 1950s. And he's got amazing stories about the transition to television in the 50s and then uh, how the studios really started having problems in the 60s and then going into the 70s and obviously some of the big auteur movies like The Godfather, etc. And we just kind of talk our way through the general stories of Hollywood, and then he gets really specific about things that he was involved in um, and things that he witnessed. And it's worth listening to just for the story from, like, Uncle Forey's house. And Uncle Forey was the guy who's, who published famous monsters of Screenland and stuff. And, you know, Guillermo del Toro and Peter Jackson, all those guys grew up on Uncle Forey. And he used to throw these three-day birthday parties. And... Um, and Ronald was telling us about those. So that's on the episode prior. And there's tons of episodes up on the Geekscape network. Uh, so just search for Geekscape and listen to Horror Movie Night. Or um, Xbox Game Passes, Passengers. Or uh, anything you want. Anything you want. It's all up there. Uh, we have so many shows. I'm like trying to remember the shows that we have. I should just actually make copy Geekscape. Because if this is your first Geekscape... You're like, this man is um, losing it. But uh, it, we've just grown so fast that I sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, we also do that. And I'm also in the midst of planning the Geekscape booth for two weeks from now uh, with our good friend Matt Kelly, who's going to be running the booth down there. And um, there's just a lot going on. We're trying to order you guys new t-shirts for CDU Comic-Con. Uh, and on top of all that, I've been traveling a lot. I went to New Mexico where I interviewed Ronald. 
Then I went to New Haven and taught for a little bit, and now I'm in New York City and made my way to Brooklyn where I'm sitting in our good friend Scott Klopfenstein's brain. Yeah. Oh, like, what would you, like, this yeah. is, first off, we walked through Freddy Krueger's freaking <laughs> basement to get here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went through Brooklyn to get, you live in Brooklyn. Yes. And, um, and it was nice. I made a little uh, voyage to Brooklyn through, it's Pride Weekend. It is. So yeah. Manhattan, you can't really get to, mo- like, you can't get to many of the subway stations that are near Broadway. No, and I'm surprised actually you made it here and there's no glitter on you whatsoever. You should, that's, that's, I, I'm, I was kind of surprised. Scott, it's not about the glitter that's on me. Check, okay. check inside. Right? It's the glitter that's inside it's, of me. It's not, it's not you the don't glitter you know, can't see. You don't want to know what I ingested to get here on that's, time. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, and the fact that I was only like 30 some odd minutes late, I think, is testament to the fact that I will make any sacrifices to deliver the show to you Geekscapists. Um, so now we're sitting inside of uh, Scott's creative room. Yeah, it's my creative space. You know how like, in, in uh, to, just to paint you a picture of Geekscapist for our audio medium, um, it, <laughs> Let me just reference a book you probably never read, but um, there were movies based on it. But Fifty Shades of Grey, there's like a red room where it's just a bunch of sex toys. It's <laughs> <laughs> supposedly uh, in Fifty Shades of Grey, the dude has like a, a red room where it's just yeah. like all these S and M toys. I'm basically sitting in Scott's red room, and it's guitars and Funko Pops and keyboards and flutes and track listings and computers and. Um, this is all your recording equipment. Yeah, and my Frankenstein. Your big Frankenstein head. Uh, there's artwork. There is uh, a gold album. That's your gold album? Yeah. The Real Big Fish gold gold record. And then the poster for your theatrical production that you you did the music for? Yeah, that was the first one that I did back in 2013. You did all the music and arrangements for that one? Yep. And, uh, yeah, you got a BB-8. You got a drawing that one of your kids did, or you did very poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of your kids did that artwork because if, yeah. if you did that artwork, I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me you had a stroke? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying my picture would be any better, um, but I mean, you know who everybody is. I think that that's the goal of any piece of art, right? Like, as long as you can, as long as you can vaguely extrapolate what you're looking at oh you'd say it's successful okay so so you and your wife were there and your two daughters and there's even the turtle yeah you guys have a turtle he's even there stuffy the turtle in his aquarium is in the picture um stuffy may have become he may have been the most realistic thing in that photo it's true yeah (laughs) you know it's like they they did an okay job on on the humans right the the turtle is spot on dead on i mean that looks like a national geographic photograph so we're sitting here in the basement. What are you working on? Because I got a copy of your new seven inch, and uh, and they came with. It comes with digital downloads, and it's up on Spotify. But you put some songs out. Finally, yeah, you put out some songs, and they can find it at where? Where can the geeks kids find your music? I mean, you can find yeah, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple Music, it's title, any place where stream the streams, any place, any stream. Okay, and you're going to want to look for Scott Scott Kloppenstein. Yeah, so yeah. why not put, you did everything yourself, every single note in there? Um, no, so a lot of it is, um, I did a lot of like the bass and guitars and key, and keys and uh, singing, but then we actually had like actual NYU students, so we recorded both those tunes 
No, I take that back. Welcome to New York was the one that was solely recorded in an NYU dorm room. It was the whole thing was recorded in an NYU dorm room. When was like you walked over to NYU or like, hey kids, want to jam? No, Brian Taylor. Yeah, I know my, Brian. My good friend Brian Taylor, um, who uh, yeah, and actually Brian just uh, he was I think he engineered and maybe co-produced the Last Black Man in San Francisco. That okay. movie that just came out. Oh, cool. Um, so, um, so congratulations to Brian. I love Brian. Yeah, good guy. So Brian and I and his brother uh, uh, Ben. Uh, ben helped me with the arrangements because my uh, arrangements are insane and nonsensical. And so <laughs> they were both at NYU. Ben, uh, Brian was studying engineering and sound design, and then Ben was uh, studying com- composition. How long ago was this? I thought they moved to LA. Yeah, they did. This was a while ago. You recorded and all so this stuff a while ago? We recorded uh, a majority of this stuff a while ago, <coughs> and it was never mixed or mastered. And then somehow they like wound up online. No idea how that wound up. Like you, it was like you played them both on Geekscape back in like 2015. Okay, so maybe that was 16. It. No, but they, but you you played them. You played yeah. them acoustically on like in like 2014, 2016. Yeah. You played them in the living room of your parents' place. Oh, that's right. That's right. And so, but those weren't the versions. That <coughs> ended up no, the like raw recordings somehow made themselves got themselves online. I seriously have no idea. And I was like, well, I don't know when I'm going to put them out, so I might as well just leave them there. And then, yeah, in actually around this time last year, um, G. Scott Barrett. Love G. Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the fantastic G. Scott Barrett. um, Said, hey, what are you doing? You're wasting all of our time. It was (laughs) like, your kids don't need you as much as you think they do. Um, oh, it's gonna be that kind of episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. And um, he's like, it seems like you need them more than they need you. Um, no, he just, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, when the Littlest Man Band broke up, it was, yeah, it kind of became like a little bit of a musical hermit. But and you so, were still in Real Big Fish at the time. I was time. still doing Real Big Fish, and that was like, but that's not, I mean, you know, that was Real Big Fish. Like, that's, that was like, I don't know. Real Big Fish is like a, is like a, foregone conclusion it's just like it, it will you come always, in you do your part yeah it will yeah. and it will always be you know like um the risk you know like there will always be real big fish fans mm-hmm. you know what i mean like that's how beautiful that thing is that we created like it will just always be and when you put up this album because uh this eat this uh this little set uh the seven inch when you yeah when because g scott was right right you were wasting all of our time. Sure. <laughs> sure. And uh, when you finally were like, hey, let's put the resources together to master this. Let's put it out properly. Let's put it online. Did you just find that a bunch of the real Big Fish fans were buying it? Yeah, I mean, because I, I get hit up all the time. Uh, people going, what are you doing? When are we going to... You know, just social media. Like, when are you going to put out something new? The don't Littlest Man Band. And they're going to become a legend. If you don't answer them... If I don't ever... Yeah, don't answer them and you're going to become like the the big like the ska version of Bigfoot right like you're like he's still out there in the wasteland somewhere <laughs> I think we saw pictures of, somebody took a picture of him foraging through trash like you know it's like no man he made his way up to Montana and then just kept him heading north I heard he was in the Amazon like, come on man you got to work a little for the mystique no I've been trying to um, no you haven't no I because I'm terrible at social media I'm getting better at it now it's the thing like where because now you have now you do I mean it's fan mail was one thing right when I started doing this everybody was doing fan mail so you actual like, written snail mail yeah fan mail. but now it's like and then even email 
right? Yeah. Like there were there were places they could email, but now they can DM me directly through Instagram and through Facebook and all that kind of stuff. So it's like I don't know. I always liked. I mean, that was the thing that made Real Big Fish what Real Big Fish was. Is we took the time to like talk to the fans. I remember so when I was a fan and I met you for the first time. We, <laughs> if Geekscapists, if you have listened to any prior episode that I have ever been on, you have heard the story. Of, yes, I'm man. No. <laughs> It's been years since we've been on the show. <laughs> I suppose that's We're going to do this right. Okay, let's do it right. Let's Last it right. night, I told the story at dinner after we went to see uh, a pretty great movie. We went Fantastic to, movie. We went to see Booksmart. And yeah. Booksmart, all I had known about it was Olivia Wilde directed it and that it, people were describing it as the female super bad about these girls on the last day of uh, senior year. Right. And the main character and her best friend... Are going to like Columbia and Yale, and this girl who's going to Yale is valedictorian, and she's obsessed with being book smart, and like number one in her class, and showing all her peers how great she is and how smart she is, how she's going to come back in ten years and show them all, you know, how they were wrong for making her a nerd and neglecting her and being mean to her when really she was kind of alpha the entire time and distanced herself from her peers, but. That's the journey that they're going to be on in this movie, and so that they find out they end up going to like a, a party and they bounce around. It is very much similar to uh, to Superbad. I think that this movie is fantastic, and Olivia Wilde directed it, and she directed the hell out of it. So we went to see that, and I didn't know a whole lot about the movie other than that, so but I went good. to see it. But guys, go see Booksmart. Um, it's pretty great and hopefully you don't hear too much about the scenes in it before you go see it because it's worth all the surprises absolutely <laughs> a fun movie so i'm super happy with how the summer's rolling out um we go over to dinner and we're all hanging out um as we do after movies we hash it out yeah and i don't get to see you but once a year or so it's true um and there are people who didn't know you and i said well <laughs> let me tell you the story of how when i first met scott i had just moved to philadelphia and uh, a couple months in, I was doing a radio show on our student radio station, which nobody listened to. And through the student radio station, I had met my favorite band of all time and will be all time. And maybe there will be a quote from one of their songs on my uh, tombstone. tombstone one day. Mr. T Experience were in town and I got to meet them and their merch girl, Paige, who I reconnected with a few years ago. We we're all friends again. But... Paige ended up doing a Mr. T Experience tour, and then she hopped on your tour, the Real Big Fish tour, yep. and said, hey, if you guys want to see Real Big Fish, come down to the TLA in Philadelphia and come see Real Big Fish. And I said, great. At the time, Real Big Fish's album, which the gold album is sitting over here. Was framed. it Turn the Radio Off, or was it Why They Rock So Hard? No, it was, two th it, was, it, was 1990, it was early 1998, so it had to be Turn the Radio Off. Maybe, yeah. The other one what didn't come out until the next year because I remember That's what, true, I remember yeah, yeah. when I I remember when I opened it and the radio station was like we're gonna play the heck out of it like every other radio station. The other radio stations didn't get the memo, but I played. <laughs> <laughs> I, I played that second album. I played a lot of it. Yeah. I played. Hey, I played a lot of that album. There was uh, there was there was some confusion about the second album. <laughs> so the first album, you guys are touring on this massive tour bus, and we go to the show, and then afterwards we go we're on the tour bus and. Kevin and I, my co-host, and my best friend in, in undergrad are on the tour bus, and no one's really hanging around. I think uh, your bassist, Matt? Well, he was probably in the front. Like, we were just kind of sitting in the back. Yeah, so it was probably out. me and 
And Dan was probably I love Dan, and I hope to see Dan soon. And I'm in the back, and you, there's some comic books there. And I'm like, oh, these guys are into comics. We can obviously like connect on that. These guys are geeks. Um, and then you come back there, and you're like, hey, I'm Scott. And you don't remember this, but I remember no, this I exchange. Don't remember. I was probably. You were in a space. I was, you in, were I in, was a, in a, yeah. You don't, really. Geeks gave us, you don't give 18, 19, 20 year olds a lot of money, okay? Because no. they will do things that, <laughs> they will do things with that money that you should, that your parents warned you about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it wasn't just alcohol, was it, Scott? Oh. Sometimes when you're broken, you gotta sniff glue. Okay, so try to see if that'll help put you back together again. <laughs> so we're back there, and uh, you go, "Hey, man, you like comics?" And I go, "I love comics." And you said, "Well, check this out." And you had the first issue of Kevin Smith's Daredevil, and you pulled it out of maybe a backpack. Yeah, it sounds about right. And it looked like a fucking pirate map. It was so ratty. It was completely torn up. You show me this thing, like I was horrified. As one, as a norm, any human being or any you know self-respecting comic book fan should be. It was Absolutely. not bag and boarded. No, it. No. Had, I mean, I thought you were using this thing for toilet paper. <laughs> like, you you waved it in front of my face. I was like, "Hey, man, you got this?" And I was like, "Yeah, I have the rest of it." <laughs> <laughs> well, and to be fair, right? Like, first of all, what self-respecting shop sold me the book? Without a bag. Oh, and don't put this no, on no, men, no, no. drug-addled twenty-year-old. And then who walked? Who let me walk into their shop and looked at me and said, "Like we're going to let this guy handle comics." They should have. They should have ushered me out the front. You door. had foam coming out of your mouth. You know what I mean? They should have been like, "Not you, sir." You probably walked in there pointing towards the four-color funnies. <laughs> <laughs> this is a quality establishment. We don't serve you. Excuse here. me, sir. Can you not be chewing on the Galactus model, please? <laughs> There's, fantastic, there's four fantastic people? I thought there were five of them. Where's the little robot? Where's the... Where's Kirby the robot? Kirby. Remember in the Fantastic Four cartoon? They replaced... Oh, God. They replaced the human torch with Kirby because they thought kids were going to light themselves on fire. Yeah. So in the, like, 80s, late 70s, whenever they were making Fantastic Four cartoons, they took out Johnny Storm and they gave him Kirby the robot. So instead, kids started... Well, that's what that... Put, isn't that putting, what the movie Tetsuo is based on? <laughs> they start putting forks. Put wires and <laughs> cables and stuff under their skin. They're sticking forks into electrical outlets. So yes, uh, I'm going to uh, go ahead and let you know that it wasn't the comic book store's fault. Their job, okay, their okay. job, their job is to make money. I tried to pass the book. They're just, their job doesn't make money. It, 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 their job is to sell a comic book. Sure, sure. sure. And they're not going to care who they sell it to. In your case, they were probably like... Well, then they're we, no better than no, drug dealers. No, they were probably... Well, that's the thing. They were probably sitting there with the comic and your money and saying, if I take this man's money, he can't continue to use it on whatever the hell he's on. <laughs> so That's a fair... This, they he, were doing me a favor. He they're can't overdose on comics, and Lord knows I've tried. Right? <laughs> I've, that's true. If you can overdose on comics, I would have done it in the last 40 years. Right? Not to say it's impossible. just definitely hasn't happened yet. Right? Okay, let's keep that window open. I think the overdose on comics would be that I have so many comic book boxes and the comic book stack that's gone unread next to my bedside will one day crush me in my sleep and fall over. Yeah. But it wasn't until... Uh, so Geekscape is a 98, I meet Scott, and he's not aware of meeting me or anything that happened in that calendar year. I had turned my <laughs> life around and erased the past. But then in 2002, you did turn your life around and yeah. you were like, I gotta sober up. Yeah. 
you gotta sometimes you gotta yeah it got nasty didn't it yeah 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 but you guys put in an album in 2004 or 5 and then I I directed the music video of that your live DVD we became friends you did some music for Hear the Prophecy and all sorts of stuff Um, we might (laughs) so in Chasing Fletcher Allen the the short we're finishing now Mm -hmm. there's a uh, there's a bunch of like sci-fi sequences that are on TV that Heidi's younger self has to watch is like watching as a kid and it's like Buck Rogers type stuff cool and Phil Lamar plays like the Buck Rogers type character and he's going pew pew and we don't have any time music you were too busy to do our music which I'm okay I'm looking at it you got hopefully I would rather you put out this album that I'm looking at on the whiteboard sure sure then you make music for my tiddlywinks uh, but we're but the music we put in there right now is the Hear the Prophecy music. Nice, good. <laughs> just because I'm like, just it's placeholder, yeah. maybe. Um, so yeah, that's that's maybe. Scott and I's relationship. We became close friends in 2005, and now we see each other about once or twice a year twice since a year. you moved to New York. Yeah, I'm not holding it against you. I'm just really holding out that you'll move back. With it's, you it's it's definitely in the plans. Business. That's a stick. Okay. We're sitting on the floor of my office, by the way, because the chair that I brought for Jonathan is the creakiest of, of, yeah. of haunted chairs. Yeah, so, so the thing is, when you live in New York, and many of you guys know this, Big Yanks, if you live in Brooklyn, uh, or I think Big Yanks lives on Long Island, but so he might be in a house house, but in New York, we're sitting in a brownstone, and we had to go basically towards like where the mole men live yeah. to record in your, uh, your room. But he says, hey, there's not a chair down there. there he, you have a chair. I have a chair. But there's not another chair. So he, he told me to take this stool. This stool is noisier than I am, and yeah. I'm pretty damn but noisy. My wife did uh, uh, do upholster it. She did cover it. That's, that's cool. Yeah, that's nice. That's right? cool. A little cityscape kind of thing. I like the cityscape. I don't like the need for... <laughs> the D- creaky. I don't like the need for DW40. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. I li- what I like is that, that Scott... Okay, Scott's got all these these different instruments down here in his room. He's got some maracas-looking things and things like that. I think Scott actually fucking tricked me to bring out another musical instrument down here because this (laughs) this stool is so damn noisy. It's so noisy. But yeah, you gotta... And now we're sitting on the floor because if I sit on that stool, Geekscapist... You'll never hear what we're saying. Yeah, but you know, this conversation is so amorphous, which is how Scott and I talk, that... um, it doesn't matter. You may be wanting that. You may be like, hey, man, sit on the chair. <laughs> if you sit on the stool, we're going to listen to this. <laughs> like, oh, it's not like that technical difficulty. Skip. How you been, man? I've been good. I'm looking at yeah. a track list of 18 songs. Some I recognize. There's two that were on that 7-inch that you can get uh, and listen to. It's streaming. Uh, if you look for Scott Klopfenstein on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. Um, but there's 16 more songs in there. I'm going to go ahead and I recognize two or three others that are your solo songs from Real Big Fish, like Drunk Again. Um, that gives us, let me do the math, carry the one. That gives us about 13 or 12 songs that are brand new that we haven't heard. Yeah. And how those recorded? Not yet. Have you recorded any part of these 13 or 14 I mean, I've demoed them. So it's like where... You know, you just do a rough demoing and start because you start to. I start to think about the arrangements and things like that. So the decision is whether to like go full band or start to get weirder with stuff and like think a little more theatrically. 
No, one of your instruments. No, it was just a, it was a stand. Oh, it was a guitar stand. I'm gonna move your mic a little bit more. Okay. Hi, here, pinch your shirt. You pinch my hand. You pinch your shirt. Okay. And then, Perfect. Okay, there you okay. go. So, um, so you're trying to, try, I mean, but it, it can be different for every song. Right, sure. But just for but is this something you would thematically, want to and then I mean, like, there's there's probably like four or five other tunes that are are unfinished. But this is all the finished stuff. Uh huh. And but is this something you'd want to replicate live? Yeah, but I'm because if you replicate, because then you you can't just go and do willy nilly on whoever playing on the thing. But you kind of can because I'm really? I'm of the most like, I, and this is possibly why I will I will fail miserably. But <laughs> you I never don't... fail as long as you have friends. That's why I built that's why I built Geekscape. <laughs> Was like things are getting pretty dark. It's Back to pretty. comics. <laughs> um, is like I'm the guy who likes to go to the show and hear the song done differently. I like it mm-hmm. when bands play the new stuff. I like. I'm with you. You yeah. know, like I think that's all the best. Like um, because I mean, a record is a record, and that's great. But I don't want to go. I have the record. I don't need to go hear the record. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so the idea is is actually that when I go to start touring the stuff, which we're looking to hopefully start doing in the the, the fourth quarter of this year, what um, that soon? We'll see. We'll see. Because um, you, I know you go and visit your parents in Southern California every right. every winter. Yeah, baby, let's we'll do that. Um, well, we have so I have this show coming up on the twelfth. Okay. Uh, in in Brooklyn at the Paper Box, July twelfth. And so depending on how that all goes, then we'll know how to kind of arrange stuff and get dates, more dates in the tri-state area. How many of these songs are you going to be perform- like are, are performable on the 12th? Like you've got a show in two weeks. Um, so let's see. The band that I put together are doing seven songs, um, most of which are up there. And then I will be doing probably three or four by myself the, my my tunes were just too it was just too much work to try to get them to learn the full set they're like layer 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 yeah there's layer. so much and there's all these hairpin t- I'm an, I'm I'm the biggest jerk when it comes to like here learn this song and they go oh it sounds easy and then they get into it and they're like what did you where does that come from because uh, when you grew up, you went psychosis. to... But no, but you went to like Music Academy growing up and all that stuff. Like, Did you go to normal high school or, or No, I went, to, school? I went to the Orange County High School for the Arts. And what was that yeah. like? Because I went to public school up until um, grad, I mean, uh, college. So it, it was like constantly being kicked out of something that you couldn't keep up the grades to be in because you were too busy screwing around. No, but like actually like... Because you, cause you grew up there, and I, I visited your family's house in Garden Grove. Right. Either your mom or your dad's. I don't know. I think it was your dad's house. Yeah, my dad's. In Garden Grove. And then, and then, so you go to Orange County Music School of the Arts? Yeah, high school for the arts. High yeah. school. But but you didn't go to middle school special. special no, no, school. no. You went to a normal, normal yeah, kids' all, middle school. Up until high school, everything was just normal. And I went to private school, but it was not like special private school. Sure. Like, and then the School of the Arts, like, what's that like? I've never been. I didn't go to art school. I mean... It's different now. Like the school is much, much different. Uh, much, much different. You can do that. Boy, Double oh positives are okay. Um, You're an artist. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> right. It's all artistic license. Yeah. We're in your space, safe space here. Uh, the school's very different now, but back then it was like you had normal classes for most of the day. Math, then, science, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean math and science and all the all the fun academia, and then at. I want to say like one thirty, 
then, yeah, no, must have been earlier. It was probably like 12.30 or 1. You would then go to, and I was so, I started at that school my freshman year as in instrumental music. So my whole focus was just music, uh, which was, yeah. um, I, I got in, I, I got in and I should not have. You auditioned, but, you had to audition. Oh, yeah, you school. got to audition. And what were you, you auditioned with a guitar? Oh, I auditioned with trumpet. With a trumpet. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, that was my main What could you play? And like, because um, you're 13, 14, what could you play at that point? And where did you get that? Where did you start playing music? I mean, well, my family's very musical. So music's like, everybody in my family like sings and plays an instrument. And it's just music. So when you were like kids, you, were like, you guys were like the country bears? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So every like, year we get together and play music. I mean, the family gets together and it's like four part harmonies and there's like, you know, mandolins and banjos. You guys are just improvising this. Like, you guys are just like improvising. No, it's like like old folk songs and stuff like that, and like American roots music. And when you were a kid, kind of yeah. When, I was when a did kid. you get a good trumpet? When did you get a guitar? Um, when did you I started playing, playing trumpet. So my grandfather passed away. Oh shit! And he was a fantastic trumpet player. And one of the things that my grandmother, so she always has, my grandmother has like, there are a million instruments in her home. Right. Like, because all of her children were all in marching band. she still band with us? And, Oh yeah, Grandma she's Jo still, is still. She's still with us, okay. She's still crackling. How old were you when grandfather died? Uh, gosh, I don't know. Because um, he got sick. Um, he, he had cancer and I think I was like, nine maybe ten um and so he suffered for a long time and he suffered a long but uh by that time you're playing like 12 but by the time i was in junior high he had passed away and he he was a trumpet guy and so he was a trumpet player and one of the things that my grandmother said is she's like i do miss his trumpet playing do you think his soul is in your trumpet um i no because no (laughs) you don't think he was like scott listen (laughs) And then, like his like his soul floated into the trumpet, and now when you play it, you celebrate his life. I mean, that's kind of why I decided to play it. Was it's just like I was like, you know what? So I'll start playing Listen, because the, Grandma Joe misses it. At the end of every stupid joke, there's yeah. some kind of there's some sincere kind of truth. truth. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to Geekscape. Right, um, you're like Coco for white so, people. <laughs> that's just, I mean, that's said so often to me. You're like Coco you're for, like white Coco for white people. <laughs> Scott, listen, um, if you ever miss me, just play this to trumpet. The world. Play this trumpet, and you will hear my voice on the wind. Yeah. So every time I played ba 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 ba, he was like, "Oh, there's a bunch no. of Scott kids. Oh, in, there's no. a bunch of Scott kids in Platt. Oh, <laughs> That's no. where sellout came from." I was right? like, "I'm sorry, grandfather." <laughs> like he was a serious jazz trumpet player. Like he was incredible. Uh, and then I am. Yeah, well, look what I did, Scott. You're really um, don't do that. You're not no. gonna do that here, pal. Yeah, hey, you're my you friend. Know. No, I mean, it's, he was... He was. I wouldn't you let know. you talk about yourself like that. I wish I had taken it more seriously, but... How uh, have you not taken it seriously? I'm I suppose in, that's true. I'm sitting in a studio that you've built yeah. with all your stuff, and it's really hard... I'm, I'd be hard-pressed to say you're not taking it seriously. Yeah, fair enough. And you said it yourself. Whenever you bring in band members, you're like, here, try this. And they're like, no, it'll take me a month. <laughs> so, See, where, but, yeah, the intricacy, like, what, what are you into that you're into that stuff? Because... I'm just in like the three chord stuff. Well, see, but that's where it all start. Like, but like jazz was a big part of my upbringing. Classical music was a big part of my upbringing. Um, but the, uh, you know, like for me, the gateway to all of that, like complicated, th- like thought was, was really like, was the Beach Boys. 
which was all very complicated, mm-hmm. and the Beach Boys and the Beatles, which it's all very well thought out, like really interesting and like great changes and chords and all sorts of, but like disguised as pop music, so nobody knows, right? Mm-hmm. But they're they're so smart and so um, progressive. I mean, it just it was that's what they were all. It was all yeah. you know jazz and and classical and blues and a lot of you know syncopation and just a lot of thought put into things. Um, but I mean, at the same time, you know, like, you know, I, I mean, I, you know, Dookie changed my, my head, you know what I mean? That's when I decided, I was like, oh, I got to learn to play the guitar. This, this, because when Dookie this came speaks out, speaks to something. Have you heard Longshot, his other band? No. I've seen them a few times and they're incredible. Oh, wait, I saw, um, Billy Joe from, yeah, I saw your, your, um, post. Yeah, your, your and they post. played, they play a couple. That looked like it songs. was probably really fun. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah. they're playing small venues and the thing, cool thing is, is like they do play a couple Green Day songs, but they play the, the songs off of Uno Dos Trice that like they never play live. Oh, okay. So they play, uh, you know, it's, people forget those three albums came yeah. out because it was like those little, it almost felt like produced demos between, you know their bigger albums. I love one of those tracks, and they they play a couple songs off of there, and they play a ton of covers. And that's awesome. Long, if you're a Green Day fan or just a rock and roll fan, Long Shot's fantastic, and you, you should listen to them, Scott. I think you would get. They released a record. Yes, they, awesome. They okay. release a record and then some music. Uh, there's covers and things like that, and um, I think Billy's great. I I have always like, um. I've always liked what he's done, and I mean, like the 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 time that I got to spend with that dude when we went out on no, tour. No, talk was just, to, well, talk to me. I didn't um, know you guys went out. To, you guys went on tour with Green Day. Well, so on the Nimrod tour, yes. Um, and that, they, I mean, that's the time of your life album. So Nimrod did really well. Yeah. So they um, they had <clears throat> they had they needed a horn section, and they that's had, right. Yeah. So they had for the drag queen song, right. Uh, uh, King for a Day. King for a Day. That's the song about dressing up in drag. Yeah. Oh, is that what that's about? So, yeah, it's about cross-dressing. That's awesome. Um, oh, Good no, King for not, a Day. That's not it. Is it The Long Shot? The Long Shot. Oh, The Long Shot. Because Long Shot is something completely different. That's an X-Men character. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, so, yeah, King for a Day is about dressing up and walking around and getting all the bros to sing. Like He wrote that song because he wanted all the bros to sing along with it and not know that they were singing about dressing up as so women. Great. Um, but yeah, I forgot that he went out with a with a trumpet section for that. Yeah, it was you were one of the guys. Yeah, so they went. They took the they took Gabe and Steve from No Doubt for a little while, and then the cats from Bucko Nine were there for a little while. And then while we were making Why Do They Rock So Hard, they hit us up, and so I started the tour, and I did. I did three shows with them, but I mean, we went up to Berkeley. We went up to Oakland, I mean, and like spent three or four days just hanging out and rehearsing and partying with Whoa. Green Day. You've never told me this story. Oh, it was the greatest, okay. it was the greatest oh, experience. Okay. It was one of the greatest experiences is, of my life. This is why I love you, because uh, you've got all these great stories and I will, we can grow old together and never get bored. So Scott. I'm so, on a plane, we land in no, Oakland. No, before then, okay. before <clears throat> then, because this, sure. this album comes out and it didn't really do anything until... Time of Your Life came out, you know, and I think it had like a few okay hits. Which is crazy because Time of Your Life was a B-side for totally. the Insomniac. Totally. I, yes, yeah. and it, but it, I mean, it's a little more stripped down on the Insomniac yeah. B-side, but um, 
you know, the, what were the songs like, that they led with on that one? You know, Nice Guys Finish Last and stuff like that. And uh, and then Time of Your Life is like the one that is really softer and it totally hit. Yeah. They have this tour and that tour is probably massive. It, it was it was not small. It was like an arena tour. Yeah. And so you get a call and you guys are finishing up. Why do they rock so hard? Well, we're like in the middle of it. Yeah. And it's like, hey, can you? I mean, could you be spared? Because your parts come well, later. Well, we had finished. We had finished the horn stuff, mm-hmm. and I think. In the horn, is that technically like closer to the rhythm section than going in and doing lead guitars? Or yeah, well, so no, because we had done we had done bass, drums, and guitars. Those okay. were all done. Um, and you had, then, but you hadn't done your singing, right? So that was the thing: is we had done the horns, and then. Um, Aaron wanted to... What we used to do before, I feel like, is Aaron would sing and then I would sing. And some there were some songs we would do at the same time. and like, But he would sing a song and then I would do my parts and then Aaron would sing. But he wanted to do all his parts. Um, and so I was like, cool. Um, so, yeah. So we hopped on a plane to Oakland. But you get a phone call. We get a phone call from... Um, from their management saying, hey, the guys are looking for horn players. We're wondering if your horn players would like to come and do uh, three weeks worth of touring with the guys. Holy they shit. have, you know, a small tour doing like festivals and yeah. like stuff. Um, and so we obviously said, yes. <laughs> That's so awesome. Uh, yes and yes. Yeah. And if we could say yes and do it twice, yes and yes. That's so cool. So, you yeah. Get to Berkeley. So we fly up to uh, Oakland. We get picked up by this dude, Timmy Chunks. Shout out to Timmy Chunks. Um, he drives us to... We go to our hotel. We drop off our stuff. But, w- I mean, we get in early. And he's like, okay, well, we got to go to the rehearsal space. Because, I mean, there's no wasting time. Like, and you guys were recording in Orange County. That really Yeah. Or, no, we were recording in the Orange County. Uh, we were recording at... Uh, in LA, in Hollywood. So What's the name of yeah, that studio? It's just a hop that you were in. Right. So it wasn't too far. Um, we get in the minivan. We drop off our stuff. Who goes with you? Uh, it's me and Dan. Okay. Dan Regan. The other trombone player from, at that time, the other trombone player. And shout from out Rubik to Fish. Dan and his yeah. brewery in Long Island. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go Liberation see Brewery. I'm going to go see Rubik Fish um, in July and I'm hoping to see Dan. Yeah. I know Don, He's preg- They're pregnant again. Well, Dan's not pregnant. But no. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Uh, I can't even, Monica, I can't, I'm like, that's amazing. But uh, yeah, I've been talking to Johnny and I hope to see them. I hope Ooh. Dan goes to the show. Let's I'm sure see. he will. I mean, we always try to show up when when the band comes through town. So uh, you go to you we go and we there. show and we're in this kind of kind of dilap. I mean, it's just I was not what I was not what I was expecting for the rehearsal space, right? Like it's a suburban neighborhood. It's not real flashy. It's just kind of nondescript. Yeah, um, and we park at this kind of beat up looking house like okay and we walk we go uh through and then all of a sudden we're in this rehearsal space they have outfitted this house to be a house in suburbia yeah to be a secret rehearsal space and they gutted it i mean the house is still kind of a house but it's yeah like i think there's like functioning stuff in the house but i mean like nobody lives there that's so cool and it's their rehearsal space, and 
we're sitting there and then all of a sudden the door opens and in comes I think Mike showed up first mm-hmm. and I'm just like what and as a kid you, you're just your brain like something goes mm-hmm. you know like I had met I don't know how many really like at that point how many s- they're rock famous stars. people we yeah, he's had a met. rock star at but that these point. are yeah I mean mm-hmm. this is Green Day like they were even on the they could yeah. do and get do whatever they wanted everybody loved now you know. they're bona fide they're, yeah. they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame they're bona fide yeah. now but that was their third major label album it was still already out of question they're, right. they're rock stars um, so Mike shows up and it's just like hey nice to meet you like trying to play it so cool so, trying to be so cool you're trying to play cool oh my yeah. gosh you, you just, but the crazy thing is and then Billy showed up and then Trey and these guys are actually just they're so nice yeah. and they're so chill um, they there's a little bit of light ribbing what is that like really? where they're just like they poke a little bit of fun mm-hmm. to see if how cool you are. Yeah, because I mean, you see them on yeah. jumping around. Remember, like 1994 when they came out with that yeah. album, they were slinging mud at the at the what was it the wasn't there a Woodstock '94 and all that stuff? Oh yeah, like they're swinging mud at the audience and they're being you know in that whole hedgecore thing where they're yeah. jumping in bushes. I mean, they are actually like goofballs. Yeah, goofballs, and I mean, you know, Trey climbing the the big mm-hmm. thing outside of the AM, the MTV Music Awards or the Grammys or whatever it was. I mean, like this is who they really are. They're they're the nicest, sweetest dudes, but they yeah they they don't. How do you feel? Around. I mean, you're just trying to play cool the whole time. So they would they said something, and I swear it was divine intervention that like just put words in my mouth that made it come just they would say something back and i'd throw a quip back and they were like they would laugh and then everybody was cool and then we just hung out and rehearsed and worked on these tunes and like yeah and they were just the nicest just seriously it was one of the funnest things i ever got to do and they were just super cool and they made us feel included and there was a situation that ha- we did the k-rock weenie roast and there was a whole situation that happened where there was a f- fight and in the crowd no backstage oh um that we other um, bands yeah um was real big fish on that show too or just no no we were just there with green day mm-hmm. yeah and like it was just it was yeah it was just epic to be a part of it and i mean the fight they were cool with the what how what can you say i don't know what i can say Right. Um, I I can tell you the story, not publicly, um, but all I can say is like it was, it was intense. Wow. It was intense with one of the other bands. Yes, and um, and like Mike got hurt and had to go to the hospital. Oh. Um, Oh. And yeah, it got ugly. It got real. Sugar Ray attacked him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wait. It was not Sugar Ray, but uh, no, it was like a whole thing. But I didn't know bare naked, naked ladies were so violent. Those those <laughs> those bare those naked ladies, ladies throw down. <laughs> I mean, uh, Hootie's back. Is there a chance for vengeance? It's possible. <laughs> did you see Hootie's doing a tour this summer? I did with bare naked ladies. That's um, it's I mean, a, like the Bros tour. I, don't, I think they're calling if, it something. They're if, calling it the if something. If people are going to show up and they can make money and do it, Hell go yes. do it. They played the Hollywood Bowl. Like they're they're maxing it out. Um, yeah. And that, I remember that, that was the summer of 99, mm-hmm. 99? I'm thinking summer yeah. 99. I remember that seeing them right. the summer of 2000. Um, 
on the because they did the Warp Tour summer two thousand, and it was them and Weezer, and Weezer was doing their comeback on that that uh, Warp Tour. Was that for the which album? They hadn't put out the Green Album. Yet. Oh, they hadn't put out the Green Album yet. And it was two thousand summer two thousand. The Green Album came out like April or May of two thousand one, and none of the other bands mattered that summer. Right. It was Weezer and Green Day, and none of the other bands were obvi- were like anywhere close. Right. And it was and that was roughly the last Warp Tour I went to. Uh, that I was like, I'm going to go to the Warp Tour. It was 2000. And the actual last Warp Tour I went to was with you guys. <laughs> when you were like, hey, come to Warp Tour in Anaheim or somewhere. And I came to see you and the band in Anaheim. Um, but I I had never like, heard that Green Day story. Yeah. It was, it was so fun and so cool. And it was neat to see people who had achieved something incredible. Right. Um, just be... I think especially for my career, it, it like, it shifted a perspective. Like I had met, I think that was the, I think that fall, no, I I think it was the winter time. I don't remember. We played a a festival in Boston and I got to meet Rivers from Weezer Mm -hmm. and that was a big deal. It was right. Nice guy? Was he nice? Yeah, he was nice. He was just, he was at school. Like, um, Matt Sharp was in the process of leaving the band this was like right after pinkerton had come out and like have you heard the nerf herd song about touring with weezer no on pinkerton no there's a really good line about like the dude at rolling stone giving it a bad review yeah everybody did yeah. the first time i mean that's one of my the first time i heard it i knew it was it was incredible yep and the, and then i remember we were uh heading out on tour and i put the uh, tape in the tape deck uh, of the van because we were still in a van at that point, and people were like, "I don't know," and I was like, "You all are wrong." Because we liked as the rentals wrong, as wrong, and it felt like there was some rentals be. in there and stuff like that. Like I liked the, the rentals album that Matt yeah. did, and I remember walking to get Pinkerton with Gabe from The Impossibles, mm-hmm. and we can talk about the Scott documentary because Rory from The Impossibles is in the Scott documentary oh, okay. that you're part of the Pick It Up Scott documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I remember Gabe and I worked at a comic book store slash coffee shop together, and there was a Tower Records on the street. And when Pinkerton came out, we were so excited. We walked down to the Tower Records, we got it, we came back, we threw it on the speakers of the coffee shop, and we did, we're just sitting there going, track by track, like, okay, I don't know, maybe, okay. It sounds like the rent. It sounds it's very it has everybody was into Moogs at the time. Right. Yeah. Like everybody was like, oh, Moog synthesizer, Moog synthesizer, Moog synthesizer, and it had all that influence. But now it, it's like easily their best. I mean, no offense, Weezer. I, I still buy all their albums. Right. Um, this is like it is like their most solid work, and every now and then they'll they'll touch that stuff. Like I do like some of the stuff on. I actually like some of the stuff on Ratitude. I like some of the stuff that they do. Still, and Brian, your half brother, built yeah. the entire Mr. Rogers set for that last video that they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Step brother, step brother. I yeah, know, yeah. but it's my 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 half my half sister, sister Michelle. Like I still call her my sister. Mm-hmm. It's oh, okay yeah. to break it down. I'm your brother, and we're right. not even related. And you're it's my true. brother, so like, bro, 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 bro. I actually just discovered um, the everything will be all right in the end. Oh, it's awesome, and it's actually a it's a good record. I I I. Because I always like to think uh, my reaction to the Green album is how I think everybody else felt about Pinkerton. I just went, oh. it felt like um, they were going back to the Blue album kind of thing. Yeah, so and I was like, no, you've uh, gone too far. Um, 
But I mean, like, and, but it makes sense. Like, I, I mean, that's one of the things. Like, when I hear like Rivers do interviews, like, you know, it's it's this is a hard business. Like, you're trying to do something that means something to you while you're also trying to appease other people. But it's like we all have like executives that we have to please. Um, one of my first jobs in LA was working on a Mark. It's a PA on a Marco Siega video for Islands in the Sun mm. off the green because that that's the video that got reshot. Right. With a different, there was a, there's two videos for that song. The second one was Spike Jones. The first one was a Mexican wedding, and Marco Siega directed it. And I just wanted to do music videos for the rest of my life. I totally wanted to do music videos forever. And I remember peeing on that one, and I was just so excited. And uh, and I was, and I met Carl. <laughs> I was, you know, Carl was like their social media guy. He's still with Weezer. He does all their fan stuff, and they're now I guess they're all their social media posts and things. And I would read all the Weezer fan page stuff that Carl would post, and I got to meet Carl. I have a I have a I have a, a photo with Carl somewhere that um, we took on like a Polaroid. And I think the production company was like, "Yeah, Jonathan's a fan, and we should do something about this." So they assigned me to Brian Bell. Mm-hmm. Until for two days, I'm just like anything Brian needed. I'd just be assigned to him, and and when uh, when Brian was wrapped, he just he signed a copy of the Green album. I was like, I like got CD, and was like, Hey, man, thanks so much for all this. And like, I of course I played the Space Twins and all that stuff on the right, radio, right. his other band. But um, I thought I thought Brian was super cool, but never talked to him again. But <laughs> but that was 2001. I moved to Manhattan. Less than a month later, mm. to attend Columbia, and 9-11 happened a week after I moved it. <laughs> like, I, I remember vividly that entire month, that lucid month, because I remember my brother coming out to L.A. to drive back to Austin with me. Right. Because I had to move to, to New York, and like I was in L.A. for the summer, and I peed on that video, and... Um, it was, and I didn't get like housing until late and all this stuff. So, <laughs> we were talking about that. We were talking last about that night. last yeah. night, and uh, there was some stuff about me going to school in New York that was in flux, right up until like early August, and then as soon as it fell into place, my brother flew. I flew out to LA. We got in the car. We drove straight to Austin. I maybe had two, three days to get in, in the car or get in the plane and moved to New York. <clears throat> I had my stuff in storage in Philly. Drove it up with Danny Trachtenberg and moved my stuff into my Harlem apartment. That's Michelle Trachtenberg's brother. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> it's crazy. Dr. Frank talks about touring with Green Day because Green Day took them to Europe. Right. Um, and I think Mike was in... I think this didn't come from Frank. I think this came from what we find out later was that Mike needed to go to re, like get help for mm. like uh, like same situation I think you were in when you got a lot of money early on as a kid sure it's like some of it goes in your nose <laughs> it wasn't well, I know that wasn't it for you and it no, was, no, probably no, wasn't no. it for but him I mean it's, but, it's there's so much boredom and there's so much pressure that you like you right yeah you gotta like you like but Green Day does songs about their right, right, right. Like, the, the Dookie had a bunch of songs about that the yeah, yeah. well that's and, and that's what Insomniac's about too and so that second Insomniac album, they're t- they they brought Mr. T Experience to to Europe and uh, and they the 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 tour didn't finish. Mm. And Frank says that had that tour finished, they could have been bankrupt and not a band because it was such an expensive thing for Mr. T Experience to try and keep up with. Oh wow, yeah. Or it would have blown them up 
and maybe it would have gotten to the next level, but I don't know any of those lookout record bands that did get to another level because they took the Riverdales out. They took a lot of those lookout bands out. Right. Um, and the one thing that lasts from it is, like, Mr. Teakspring still has really loyal fans in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all about, like, um, I read this article... Um, that was talking about the new model for independent musicians is the um, is the super fan, you know? Like, is that like the like one uh, Henry? Who's the guy who wrote that that piece on one thousand true fans? Yeah, that's it. That's the thing. It's that's all you need. Who's that writer, Henry? I can't remember. Um, it was uh, something that was uh, sent to me, and I was like, and it it made it it made the whole thing seem feasible. Yes, and I've and I've read that study, and when I meet, when I teach transmedia, and I and I teach all this stuff at college, um, Professor London, this is what I'm doing in the Northeast. Sure. When I teach things like building an audience, which we've done with Geekscape and all that stuff, um, it's not as easy as he sets out. No, and, totally. And, and, and I I just wrote I just wrote I just read a counter argument that 1,000 true fans. As you know now that your stuff is on Spotify and you're getting fractions of a cent for your downloads or your streams, 1,000 true fans is still... that's a There's a bit of a myth to just having 1,000 true fans, too. Like, if I had 1,000 big yanks, I don't ask big yanks to, to, for money in Geekscape or, right. or any of the Geekscapists. I don't ask them for a lot of stuff. I guess we did when we do crowdfunding or at the Geekscape booth, we'll sell some shirts, but 1,000 true fans, like... That ain't gonna care. That ain't gonna cut it, brother. But that's, I mean, but right, that's the idea. Henry like, Jenkins, like a true, the like the writer Henry right. Jenkins. But the hundred true fans, right? A thousand, a, a thousand true fans, a, a thousand, a thousand people that are willing to spend a hundred dollars a year on what on what you put out. Like, and it sounds good. You got a hundred thousand dollars, right? Great. But I mean, like, you also have to have a certain understanding and an agreement, right, with with those people, which is that they're willing to support that thing like and that thing changes totally like this music that i'm looking at the, on the board having heard some of it that's not the same as the stuff maybe some of your fans were into when they no. learned about scott kloppenstein yeah but that's like and see that's the funny thing it's like you're gonna lose some of those people along the way there's people who feel i mean like they you know the, the streaming i mean I'm one of those people, right? I don't put, like, good or bad. It is what it is. Like, I need to figure out how to function in it. You know, people are like, ah, streaming is killing. It's like, I'm not going to change it. Right. I'm not that person. Social media is, we hate social media, but what are you going to do? What am I going to do? So it's like, how do I create an agreement with my fans? And it's like, I I will always only make music that I believe in. You know, as much as I can, as much as I sit there and the little voices in my head say, you're a phony, you're a fake, you're a hack, get out of here. How loud are those voices? How loud are those voices, though? So loud, so loud. Really? Constantly. Is that what took so long long for... Yeah, oh, God. I mean, you know, you have no... It's every... I do know, Scott. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. know. (laughs) I do know. Um... Yeah. What if there are other people in your life who are saying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but no, that's like... um, you know, that's why, like, people like you or, like, G. Scott Baird or, like, my creative partner, uh, uh, Katia McMullen, like, it's like I've always kind of needed people to kick my ass because those voices are so loud. It's also and, why those people you just enlisted live in L.A. and you're hiding over here in Brooklyn. Get your ass back. <laughs> it's true. Get your ass um, back. Uh, but, 
You're scared of us. You're scared uh, of us making you work. No, that's I love to work. Um, but we'll take care of the kids. Right. <laughs> um, I actually do like to. I just had this this I had this realization a couple months ago because I do love to work, and you know I'm working at this place now, and it's like the the hours are crazy and they're all over, and it's like I sh- it's, um, and I love it. I really do because of the fact that the risk factor. What? Is very low. Okay. So you, like, go, you put I it love, in, you don't like, have to bring it home with you. Right. Yeah. And it's like the risk factor for me, it's my friend's business. It, the risk factor for them is very high. Yeah. But for me, like, I can go and I can bust my hump all day mm-hmm. and, like, have a great time. A great time. And I do. I have a great time at work. Um, because the risk factor for me is very low. This is the shit that scares me. Yeah. Po- I'm po- I'm, for the, the listeners, I'm pointing at my board, which yeah. has all of my my. The but that's, that's the stuff. Exposure, that's the vulnerability. Hard work. That's the hard work that terrifies me. Is going like this is something I I I work at and I you know and like I spend time I obsess over it and then like you know like a day job is like the oh it's like I've gotten lazy. But how many it, people? I've, I've got, I've gotten lazy in fighting fear. But how many people? Well, let's let's put it. Let's not do that, please, because that's been the whole onus for me blowing my life up over the last three years. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so, okay, okay. So you say you're going to face this stuff and start putting it out by, yeah, start playing it live. So you're doing it, and I don't think this is something that you just like. You're like, time to slay the dragon. There's no dragon. No. There's. Little dragons. Yeah, in the little dragon. I mean, it's like Wreck It Ralph too, where all those <laughs> evil Ralphs become a giant evil Ralph. Yeah, like the virus or whatever it was. Like there's tiny ones, and yeah. they and they can amass, you know. But you can't tackle them all in a day. But we but we look at them all in a moment. Sure. And when we look at them all in a moment, they scare the shit out of us. Yeah. But we but we just have to tell ourselves like, oh. This is taking a song at a time, and a song is taking a note at a time. Yeah. And a note is taking an instrument at a time. So let's just break it down and hit the hurdles as they come. And if you just keep reminding yourself, and that's what the, all this wellness stuff is about. It's like the, well, the meditation and everything that we're all into now is yeah. it's all about staying present. Yeah, we're not time travelers. And yes, if you if you spend too much time in the future, you'll freak yourself out. And if you spend too much time in the past, you're only going to turn up evidence of how you should freak yourself out because the evidence <laughs> is there that you failed. Right. Okay, well, the failures burn more than the successes, so we carry them further, yeah. which is not a good habit. No, 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 no. So we, let's surround ourselves with some successes. I'm going to get rid of these Funko Pops and make room for more albums. <laughs> you can't touch my Funko Pops. <laughs> they're, all, my, well, they're all Harry Potter Funko Pops. My, my Harry Potter speak to me. <laughs> I love my Harry Potter. Why? You yes. know what? Seriously, there's something about... I don't work unless one of the movies is on. Uh-huh. Wait, really? Yeah. Huh. I have to have one of the movies on with no sound while I'm working. There's I've never, I haven't seen a little. I mean, well, first off, you got to read them. Or at least do the audiobooks. What Jim pocket, Dale what, does the... What pocket universe am I going to have time to do that? Do the audiobooks. Jim right. Dale, the guy who plays the villain in the original Pete's Dragon, does... He was Barnum on, on Broadway. Um, he does the voice. It's so good. Okay. It's so good. Um, yeah. But he he does a great job of reading the books, um, and they're just 
Like, nowhere in them does anybody tell Harry to be a man. Yeah, no, I think... No that, one tells yeah. Harry... Like, he finds that his strength is teaching okay. people to find their strength. I mean, yeah, so maybe I'm a little Harry Potter, like, like when I'm Professor totally, London up there. Like, <laughs> like, you know, like, and Ron is not the alpha male, you know, like, her mind, like, there's no, it just feels like a story that speaks great truth without having to qualify, quantify, and categorize. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, we were talking about this before the show. Right. And so, like, I sit there and I look at my Mad-Eye Moody, Moody and, and, you know, like, he's terrifying. He's, you know, he's been through, th he's an aura, he's, he's, you know, he's, a, he's scary, but he's also, like, so strong and, like, incredibly smart and crafty and like a good guy mm -hmm. you know um you know the way that they set up serious black is is you know you're like this guy and hair through the whole you know through all of prisoner you're like this guy is gonna kill harry and then you know and he's still like serious black is still a very dark brooding character like spoilers it's, i'm kidding you know <laughs> for anyone who hasn't um too bad <laughs> You know, and like sometimes I think about you know, and like I've, so I've, I I just recently got the Tom Riddle character because they just released a bunch more, and some of them are exclusives at Barnes and Noble. Hey guys, still got that um, money? But like I think about the path that Tom Riddle took, right? Like the house he he his heritage, um, growing up in an orphanage. Like he's a wounded individual, and that doesn't excuse his his behavior and the horrible things he wound up doing. But like. I don't know. I just I look at all of these characters, and there's some there's a story to be told there of of gray, mm -hmm. and you mean the gray area? Yeah, Is it living in a gray area. Yeah, and it's like, and so when I'm like writing a song about a character, or you know, and I need, or I can, I can't seem to get perspective. I talk to my, I talk to my pop characters. I go like, what would, you know, like Dumbledore? You read the. You read the books, and you, there are points where you're like, he sucks. <laughs> Dumbledore straight up sucks. And you're angry with him. And, like, um, and I think that that's important. Mm -hmm. You know, like, where in the movies, like, that part's really, like, it's very short. You're just like, oh, there's the part where he's giving Harry the cold shoulder. But in the book, you have to exist it a little longer. Yeah. Um... The conversation, you know, one of the things that in the movies it first bothered me, but then when I read it made sense, is there's there's really only one conversation in that whole book about romantic relationships. And it happens between two men on a bed. Oh, shit. I just don't know it well. Yeah, it's it happens between Harry and Ron. Hmm. Talking about relationships and the complexity of them. And they're young men, like, at school, away from, like, family and, like, it's crazy. You should have given James Cameron that series to direct. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, like, they just, they're so beautiful to me. And, like, I, I'll never forget the first time. Um, Zack Snyder's Harry Potter? Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have read the books if I hadn't. My, 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 my um, younger brother, Jeff, gave me the audiobooks. Mm -hmm. And it was at a really hard time. 
Um, I had been off the road maybe like a year and a half. This is around the two, um, th- 2002, three. Uh, no, this is uh, I left the road in 2010, so this. Oh might have no! Been oh, this is recent. Yeah, this is. You just became a Harry Potter fan recently. Um, I mean, I saw the movies, but I hadn't read the book. I hadn't read any of the books, and so he gave me the audio books a while uh, before this, but I just hadn't listened to them, and so I was doing a lot of commuting, and the job that I was working, I was very unhappy in. Um, and so I started listening to the books on my way to and from work because my commute was like an hour. Um, at the end of the first book, I kid you not, in like full on like tie and you know suit, like uncomfortable shoes. I'm holding onto the rail in the subway, crying, crying. Because you have to ride the subway. Because this oh. kid who felt uh, lived with this family that didn't love him or didn't understand him or pre- I mean, just this kid had had such a hard growing up and had still somehow or continued to like pull himself through. Um, you know, he made friends and found out he belonged someplace. And like, I don't know, for me, it was like, you know, like I just, I see myself in all of these characters. Mm -hmm. And so I started, I was just like, I remember like finding friends at school. Like those first friends where you go like, I don't fit in here. I belong here. I don't have to be anything I'm not. I can... I can be me, and they're into it. Did anybody witness this? Thing oh, I'm sure there was subway? a train full of people watching me. Like I'm just standing there, like crying. He's got friends. He's not. People are like, we gotta get. It's out the of thing New York. where it's we like, gotta get out of New York, man. You know, this where place he's, is crazy. This he's guy's... like about to get back on the Hogwarts yeah. Express, and he's like, I'm not going home. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, Hogwarts is my home. I was like, this is home. You know, um, you stay on the subway forever. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like it's yeah, it's the, I I just I listen to the books probably because I don't get a chance. I there's a lot of books that I listen to now over and over again. Like I read Frankenstein once a year, um, because of yeah, it's, I have to I have to hear these stories again. The Scott documentary. Scott documentary. Let's talk about Pick It Up. I love it. Um, I only know it because Steve from Punchline, who did our theme song, is one of the producers helped kickstart it. Yeah, I yeah. Guess. I don't know. But they, they played this thing in Long Beach and in like Orange County several times. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Nor have I. But you're in it. Yes. I th- as far as like, I understand, like I'm all over the, it. You do like man on the street type stuff in this documentary. Yeah. So this there's some the, interview. This is the story of Ska. In the 90s. In the 90s. Tim Armstrong from Rance is the like narrator right which is crazy have you heard him talk yeah <laughs> it's like having is... Mushmouth from Fat Albert narrate a documentary <laughs> but the thing is is like well yeah yeah I guess Iggy Pop does that but Iggy Pop actually has a cool crunchy voice yeah yeah, like, yeah. I'm intrigued to see how Tim sounds um yeah so I mean I, the Swedish fish wasn't the Swedish chef wasn't available <laughs> no <laughs> that was the time when Ransom was like the my flame favorite is that, was my t- that was the time when Ransom was like my favorite band and I met Tim from Rancid, uh, and then yeah, oh cool, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I think those were words. Yeah, I want I want to hear the outtakes. Okay, yeah. Um, and did you see the Gilman Street documentary? No, about Gilman Street. It's like four hours long. Oh my gosh, and he's in that. He's great in that. Um, but yeah, there's a Gilman Street documentary. Oh, I bet uh, that's incredible. Called 
I don't know what it's called, but look for it. Yeah, it's all the bands from Gilman Street in that same era. So, the, but, the, but it's so, sort of somewhat, it's similar to that documentary, but it's about ska in the late nineties. Nice. No, that I'm saying. Yes, yeah, this like film. A, so, yes. So, so you're, you do like Man on the Street stuff in it. Yeah. So they came. Taylor hit me up. Taylor is the director. Okay. Um, Morton. What is Taylor's last name? I just always call him Taylor because that's. Sure. What his name is. Yeah. You know um, my last name. Do you know my last name? Um, it's Larden. It is. Yeah. Um, Lardass. Yeah. It's Larvduf. It's Larva. It's it's an old family name, Larvduf. <laughs> have you? That's the best thing to say with last names. It's an old family name. <laughs> um, Skype. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, own family name. So I guess he had interviewed Christian from, uh, Jacobs from the Aquabats, the Bat Commander. For those of you who don't, former Geek yeah. yes. And um, and he was talking. They were doing. They did a bunch of uh, interviewing, and then he Christian recommended that if they're coming to New York, they should interview me. Which thanks to big thanks to Christian, who was is kind of like a big brother to me actually. I like Chris. Um, and uh, I love his whole family. Uh, they uh, and so yeah, he hit me up and I was like, yeah, sure. Whenever you're coming, I'll ma- I'll make some time available. And so I even like scouted out like a location to like have the interview, which is up on top of this building mm-hmm. um, that has this incredible view of the city. Um, and so yeah, Taylor came and one other guy, and we did an interview uh, on this roof deck, and it was. Great, and then he's like, "You want to go out into the street and talk to people and ask him about ska music?" I was like, "Uh, yeah, I do." <laughs> what was? I mean, not to spoil the movie, and I don't know when the movie's coming out, but I've, I want to get Taylor on the on the. I've talked to Steve about getting Taylor on the show, right? Um, but I think it'd be best to get him on the show when the movie's coming out. So, right. uh, what? What? I mean, what was the reaction to people when you put a microphone in their face? And were like, "Hey, do you remember this band?" <laughs> I mean, most of the time it was like, do you, you know, do you know what ska music is and what comes to mind when we, when I say, you know, what comes to, what bands come to mind yeah. and what do you remember? And like a lot of people are like, oh, what? And then some people were like, oh, oh yeah, ska music. And like the variety of things that we would get were like anything from, you know, people like older people with the specials and like newer people with, you know, all sorts of things. Or some people are like, you mean like the police? And you're like, kind of. You know, whether people knew that reggae was after ska music or what have you, that's always, you know, um, but, and then some people would be straight out of the gate, like, oh yeah, you mean like, like, I remember like Real Big Fish, like I like their song Beer, I'm like, oh, is that right? Um, but I very rarely like outed myself because that's embarrassing, but I think I did it a few times and people would be like, oh, 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 you are. Do you yeah. want basketball? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, I also weighed like 120 in that movie. Um, it was like rail thin. It's a hell of a drug. Oh my gosh. I was on <laughs> so many drugs during so much of the filming of Do that Do you still movie. have that Daredevil comic? Um, yes. <laughs> you still got a copy of that Daredevil Somewhere. comic here, Scott? Um, yeah, don't turn around. It's, it's, all, it's, it's, all, it's all trades behind you. Actually, no, I take it back. Uh, the the, uh, the Brubaker... Uh, incognito oh. series but that's all i love, I love those brubaker films. so films. good They're so good so good um okay so but I'm, it's uh, yeah. it's great i mean um, i want to see the movie yeah me too everyone's seen the movie but you and me 
and you're involved um, in it. I'm, I'm not yeah, involved. I'm in it. It's okay that I haven't seen the movie. You should yeah. have seen the movie. Yeah, so we're doing this thing on July 12th uh, in Brooklyn at a place called The Paper Box. It's That's a show. your live show. That's my show, so it'll start with... Uh, the 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 movie at first, then there's a Q and A afterwards. I think Taylor's coming out here, and he and I will do a Q and A, and I think maybe some other people will be on the Q and A as well. Um, and then, and then yeah, I'll play. I put I put a small band together out of some friends. That paperbox gig is the um, whole thing. Yeah, and Taylor lives in LA. Yeah, but can you connect us on email? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just want to get him on the show. Yeah, yeah. And then I want to see the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hey, well, maybe there's a screening in L.A. Because the thing is, they've screened it. And I mean, no offense, Taylor, if you're listening to this, like, this, this shit ain't easy. Right. Like, straight up. But they premiered at Newport Beach Film Festival. and like Two sold-out performances. all my friends were there. And I'm sitting there looking at their freaking Instagrams of being at the thing. And I wanted, right. I wanted to see it. And then the day that I was flying out of LA or the the day after maybe last week they had a screening or two in Long Beach and I was like well guys come on Los Angeles you go you want to play that thing in Hollywood yeah so maybe there's a way to play it in Hollywood and figure it out um there's all sorts of different festivals and things that might be conducive to that it's clearly a rock and roll crowd my question to you is do you sense that ska is going to have a like resurgence or like even if it's like a nostalgia factor like it's going to come back there's still ska bands yeah i mean like i don't know i mean i think it's just like it's just a roller coaster ride with ska music it never goes away um but it'll never be i mean nothing's gonna be at the top of the radio hits again because the radio doesn't exist like that anymore yeah i don't know i mean i think the only way we're gonna see something like that is with I don't, I don't know. You would have to find somebody who does ska music the way that like Major Lazer does reggae. You yeah. know what I mean? Like something fresh, something fresh, something that's a little more pop oriented. Um, sure. But am I looking at some it's of that? Top. No, I'm like right here on the on your board. Is there some of that in there? I mean, the, the amazing <laughs> thing is that it's like because like there's a I have a lot of like. Uh, Brazilian music influences and I mean there's still a lot of ska but also like klezmer and like upbeats are definitely prevalent in a lot of my the music that I've been doing um and like I love I love the one drop which is the you know everything on the all of everything on the three so one two three four one you know um, a lot of reggae and stuff. How blank like, does my stare need to be? Yeah, I know. <laughs> to be like, I don't know what the heck you're I talking don't about. I know, but um, I did not go to your fancy high school. Uh, <laughs> I didn't go there. And um, and if I did, they would have killed me. Sure. But um, I'm like, this guy, don't put him in a class. Shoot him in the back. Well, the school I go to now, actually, or the, the school now that I went to back then, they now even have like, they've expanded it and there's like film departments and like screenwriting I could go to the like film department I could be the dumbest kid in that one um, they'd be like hey Jonathan you just got into the film department you can be the dumbest one in this one <laughs> but uh I don't know it's I want to see it uh, yeah and the I, film's going to be amazing and it feels like Taylor also has a, a it feels great like people film are hungry for this stuff that I don't know if it's actually out or if he's still working on putting it together you know he's still actually putting Can it together it? is uh he he has a he has a documentary about the last uh, blockbuster it is the same people. It is the same and, and, people. And, and, and I think Steve and, and those guys helped with, with the fundraising for that. Too. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, excited. Well, Taylor and I need to meet. Yeah, like, he's great. Taylor, if, really... you're listening, if you're listening to this, we have like 40 friends in common. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. if he's in L.A., I didn't think he was in L.A. I didn't know he was in L.A. or not. But I think, yeah, I, the last Blockbuster documentary is another one that piqued my interest. So, yeah, fantastic. He's awesome. He's a really nice guy. I'll, I'll, I'll connect you to Okay. Well, dude, it has been awesome having you on the show. I'm going to ask you yeah. if you want to play something. Um, I can. I Actually, my guitar is upstairs right now. We'll get your guitar, and then okay. we'll play something. All right, Geekscapist? Thanks for listening. You can, If you enjoy this next tune... Please go to any streaming service and listen to Scott's music, Scott Coffinside. Even if you don't enjoy the song, like go and listen to the other garbage that I do, just so you can like criticize it. That's what we do on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go like, that song was garbage. What else does this chucklehead do? And then you go like, that song's dumb. Oh, it's another bad word. I'm so sorry. Don't, don't use bad words, please. Um, your daughter's in the room. Right? I know, I know. So, Geekscape, you can always check us out at geekscape.net, where we have a brand new website coming for Comic-Con. We have um, Facebook groups and Twitter and YouTube. And, of course, we're going to be at San Diego Comic-Con for our 11th year exhibiting at the Geekscape booth. We've got a lot of surprises and a brand new website coming your way. And T-shirts and things. So come visit us if you're at San Diego Comic-Con. But for now... And here, a flashlight. No, don't. No. No? No. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, she thought that was funny. Yeah. You're, how old is she? It's a flashlight. How old are you? You're five. She yeah. thinks it's hilarious. Flashlights are hilarious. And she thinks Google's valuable. So now right. she's going to put the two together and yeah. you're responsible for that trauma. It's true. Um, Geekscape is, here's uh, Scott's uh, song that is one of 18 up here on the board. What's this one called? Uh, it's going to be called New Modern Man. New Modern Man. All right. You're going to take us out with that one. And Geekscape us. We will uh, see you next week.
hands of God Or say his work on earth ain't divine No, but hey, no, I'm no slouch myself And I've got a pretty good eye for design So now I'm ultra fantastic Covered head to toe in space-age plastic Oh, I went and I gleam as I walk down the street Say three cheers for the new modern man Instead of toiling away, I can spend all day Posting my feelings on a chest display Which is eco-friendly Cause I'm powered by solar rays As I slowly drift towards a death by malaise God bless my unalienable rights To think all about me e e e sing this song real quick. Okay, okay, okay. You want to sing over this part? Sing. Mine. I know this shit 
that's the whole song. Should we do the Should we do the superhero song though? Just so you have it. Hold Actually, on. I don't know. This one you might not be able to hear. No, I don't think there's any bad words in this song, so you're good. There are. I don't know if I can vocally do this one, but we're gonna try it anyway. I'll destroy the world. Cause that's what I think I ought to do. Then all my pain and suffering will make its way right back to you. I'll destroy the world by the time that I'm through. There'll be no chance for the old song and dance of fighting someone new. It starts when we are little boys. Mother says don't play with war machines. Be made for brains but not for battle. While the other children play so Cause you pain and a strap across the back side waits for you when you get home. What do you have to say for yourself now? Say I'll destroy the world. Cause that's what I think I ought to do. Then all my pain and suffering will make its way right back to you. I'll destroy the world by the time that I'm through. There'll be no chance for the old song and dance for fighting someone new. I fell in love the moment that she walked up to me to disprove my most recent scientific American she held my hand, fell asleep, and slowly seemed to seep into the spaces between my subatomic particles. But now she carried on, she remained soft and sweet, and I found the bitter could still put holes in teeth. I filled my home with poison fumes and friends and family ablaze. She said, how can I stay with you? Watch you destroy the world. Man stands on the hands of his brother, begs an empty sky to bestow peace and love. But there's no God handing out confetti and dancers. There's just me raining fire from above. I won't forget.
finding someone Geekscape Network.